Thank you, choir, for your flexibility there. No that, was, that was fun. That was not scripted. Yeah. Um, well, if you want to take notes in your outline today for our message, which is from Psalm 138, feel free to do that. Uh, Psalm 138, if you want to use one of our Bibles provided there underneath one of the chairs, um, or you can use your device. We're in the Psalms for learning lessons of gratitude, having an attitude of radical gratitude in this month of November. And next week, we'll start talking about Advent as we approach uh, the Christmas season and looking at the different characters in the Christmas story this year, kind of a traditional Christmas-themed uh, sermon series for December. Uh, but it, it is good to give thanks to God. It is good for your heart and your mind and and research says even your body, it's good to give thanks to God, and God deserves thanks. Uh, God deserves it. Um, but I want to be clear, God doesn't need it. Uh, God isn't some uh, needy God out there in the uh, galaxies or something. God's not needy. God's perfect, and we can't make him better or improve God by thanking him. Uh, God is perfect, but he deserves it, and he knows thanks is good for us. We we are needy, though. God is not needy, but we are needy. And, and that's not, I'm not trying to insult us here on uh, Thanksgiving week. We, we need to eat, right? Uh, we need sleep. We need God. We need also to practice gratitude, to keep ourselves grounded in reality, to remember that our blessings uh, come from other sources, from other people, from God. And so thanking God is not only good for us, it is really Gratitude is really the root of spiritual survival. I've been thinking about this. It's really a basic need, like you need water for your soul or air to live, uh, water to live, air to live. You need gratitude for basic spiritual survival and therefore spiritual flourishing. And if you don't have gratitude, you're probably not going to grow spiritually, and people aren't probably going to want to be around you either, right? Gratitude promotes all kinds of things. It promotes humility. It promotes uh, hope. Right, because if you're you're thankful, you you're recognizing where your blessings come from, and you're also hopeful that more are going to come. And, and gratitude is a key weapon, I think, in our arsenal, our spiritual arsenal, to fight the despair that's out there, right, and and the division that's out there too. If we if we as the body of Christ, if you count yourself a believer in Christ, I know some of you might be exploring that, but if we just practice deepening gratitude. I think it, it counters some of the despair that comes our way and the despair that comes into other people's lives. It's, it's contagious, it's attractive, it's healthy, it's good, right? And it's hard to be divisive against somebody who's thankful. <laughs> it just is, right? So gratitude has a lot of good uh, aspects about it, isn't it? Doesn't it? Uh, so let's keep showing our thankfulness to God and to others, and may it be in your life contagious and spreading in a good, good way. Let's give, let's give uh, a prayer here as we come to Psalm 138 and we consider gratitude or thankfulness for God's love. Lord God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, dear Lord. For you are truly our rock and our redeemer. You alone should we rightly fear. You alone should we fully follow. You alone should our lives be founded upon. God, you are love. You are the source of the love that we share with one another, and we are thankful for your love. 
But Lord, deepen us today through your word, through this message. Uh, may your people be praying for themselves. May they think uh, of new ways to be thankful for their love as they hear this message. May they be praying for one another. May they be praying for me and other preachers that we would rightly declare your truth. Lord, may you be glorified. May your light be seen. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're in Psalm 138. It's another Psalm of David. That's what we've been doing in November. This is just a general Psalm of David, a Psalm of Thanksgiving. Let's hear the word of the Lord from Psalm 138, starting with the first verse. I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods, I sing your praise. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul, you increased. All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth, and they shall sing of the ways of the Lord. For great is the glory of the Lord. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly. But the haughty, that means proud, he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. This is the word of the Lord. And we are considering the steadfast love of the Lord, the Hebrew word for that is chesed. You might think I misspelled cheese, like I'm cheesed off or something, but no. This is chesed. I'm not good with the guttural at the front, but chesed, the, the steadfast love of the Lord. And in your translations, if you have maybe an older uh, translation, it might be loving kindness, or some translations have it uh, mercy, or the deep mercy or faithfulness of God. This is the chesed. The Hased of God. Like it says in verse 2, I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love. That's Hased, your steadfast love and your faithfulness. This is a deep word. It doesn't have a direct equivalent in the English, so it gets translated into loving kindness, mercy, steadfast love, faithfulness, into many things. I even saw in one modern uh, translation, your commitment, like your committed love towards us, right? This, this is a, a rich, rich word because God's, God's steadfast love to us is rich, right? And so today we're considering that we can always give thank, thanks for his hased. We're giving thanks in all circumstances. That's 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. We give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So no matter what is going on in your life, you can give thanks for your hased. So as I've had to cough up stuff, I've been coughing a lot, I've been thinking about, I said, uh, you know, I know that sounds strange, but uh, thankful that I, I'm sick, I was sick for a couple weeks, but uh, off and on, but uh, God still loves me, God is still with me, life is still good, right? Bad stuff happens, God still loves us, God is still God. So we, we, we are giving thanks for the faithful, 
faithful love of God. And this, this motivated David to praise. So this is at the beginning of the psalm, and the psalm is a psalm of praise. And he says he praises before the gods of this world. Verse 1 says, I give you, before the gods, I sing your praise. And this sounds strange to our ears. In fact, there's debate amongst the scholars, like, is David admitting that there's other gods? You know, And of course, we, we don't capitalize that G in, in English, and we shouldn't, because he's not saying there's other gods, like in competition with Yahweh, the true God, or the Trinity, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But he's saying, you know, there's, there's other divine angelic beings. There's other things that people think are divine, but they're not. There's only one divine being that's God, right? And, and that's who I sing my praise to. Everything else falls short, right? Everything else is not God. When we, we, we need to have this mindset that there's other things that will clamor for your worship and attention, right? And right now, I mean, the marketers are ratcheting it up. You're getting more emails. There's, there's commercials. There's things in your box and clamoring for your attention and, and saying, this is what's most important. This is what's most important. And so whether it's celebrities or experiences, whether it's careers or image or wealth or sports teams, there's lots of things out there in this world that clamor for our attention. There are God's little G out there, but we sing our praise to God above all that. And, and God, God doesn't need that. He's gonna be perfect no matter what, right? But when we sing our praise to the perfect God, and give thanks to that this God wants a relationship with me, it's really, really good for me. And it honors God, who deserves it, frankly. Right? Gives praise where praise is due. And, and David says something radical. He says, I sing it before the kings of the earth. The kings of the earth, let me reread verses 4, 5, and 6. He says, all the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord. For they have heard the words of your mouth, and they shall sing of the ways of the Lord. For great is the glory of the Lord. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty or the proud he knows from afar. Now, first of all, this is radical, okay? This is radical. David is the king of a little country at that time called Israel. He has done a better job than the king before him, Saul, in uniting the tribes. He's founded this capital city of Jerusalem. He, he has increased their territory and their wealth, their strength, their power. But there's no way all the kings of the earth know about all this stuff. Now, he doesn't even, David doesn't even know how big the earth is, right? But what he does know is God is going to be known by all the kings of the earth. So this is like just coming out of David's faith. This is Holy Spirit-inspired praise, and I think the Holy Spirit can do this in our heart too. Like, he doesn't even know the bigness of what he's saying. But is it true of God? Yes. Is it, did David know it? Could David pass a geography test on where all those kings were? No, right? He didn't know a place like Russia even existed, which, you know, or let alone South America or something, but... But he knew this, that the one true king deserves all the praise of all the little kings like me here on earth. And it's really prophetic. I, I think it's about Jesus Christ. I think we as Christians can see this is about Jesus Christ, that one day every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. And one day, as we heard in the book of Revelation as we went through it, that one day all the nations will come before him, right? Now, did David know all that? But... The Holy Spirit of God was inhabiting his praise. And I just want you to know that when you open yourself up to praise of the God, it's a two-way street. 
You're, you're praising what you know, but the Holy Spirit is giving you things beyond what you know. Encouragement beyond what you know. Encouragement beyond your circumstances. Even knowledge maybe beyond your knowledge, right? He, he's increasing you. He's making you able to, to deal with more than you can deal with on your own. He's telling David a message that David couldn't, couldn't just write on his own knowledge. A prophecy. A true, a true statement about God. That, that, that the kings of this world are nothing compared to the king of kings, the son of God who's going to come down to earth and be enthroned on a cross for us, right? And then rise from the dead and defeat death. David didn't know the details of that story of Jesus Christ, but he knew that he had relationship with the living God who had this deep, faithful love and was never going to give up loving humanity. He knew, as we see in verse 6, that the Lord is high, like as high as you can get, the most powerful. But the awesome thing about this high, amazing, all-powerful God is that he, he regards us down here right? We don't have a distant God. We have a God who comes near, right? The name in Hebrew is Emmanuel, the God who comes with us, dwells with us, or builds his tabernacle, his tent, his house, his presence with us, who comes to dwell with us. He comes to live inside your life, right? God, God is the God who regards the lowly, and, and, and yet there's people who don't know that message out there. There's people who think, I'm not worthy of the Lord, or I, God doesn't love me, or I'm not good enough, or I screw up a lot, or no, he regards the lowly. He knows that we're screw-ups, right? He, he knows how we've fallen short, and he cares, and he's chosen, as we heard earlier, he's chosen us in Christ before we ever chose him. He chose us because he knew we were going to screw up. So he came down to, to be the way to repair all of our screw-ups. He is the Lord who is so high, so good, that he comes down to us, the lowest of the low. Isn't that a good God? Right? That is a good king. That is a king who has steadfast love that you can always give thanks for no matter what is happening in your life, no matter if you're sick or dying, no matter if you're poor or rich, uh, you know, you can always give thanks to this God. And how do you give thanks? David says, I give thanks with my whole heart. My whole heart gives thanks. I give thanks with my whole heart, Lord. My whole heart. Everything that I am. It's a gutsy, deep praising that David says. And now, if, uh, think of someone that you're committed to in your life. A friendship, or maybe you're married, uh, your parent, and you're just committed to, to blessing your children, uh, Maybe you're a child and you're committed to, to serving your parents well. It, it is quite a thing to say that you are fully committed to another person. And it is risky, is it not? It's risky when you are fully committed to another person, whether it's a spouse or another relationship, they can hurt you, right? They can hurt you by disappointing you, making bad decisions, turning against you, whatever. And, and, and love, therefore... This type of committed love is vulnerable, right? Vulnerable. And, 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 and the word vulnerable is related to what we would say woundable. Did you know that? Somebody who is vulnerable is somebody who's willing to be wounded. And God, in a sense, is saying, I'm, I'm vulnerable to you. I'm completely committed to you with this deep, steadfast chesed 
I'm woundable. And was, isn't that the choice that he made? He was wounded for our sakes, and by his wounds we are healed, healed the scripture says. So he has done this for us, and the vision that David gives us of this right praise and return is, is to have this commitment back to him. This, this, okay, it's hard as a human being to trust something or someone completely, but that's what we've got to do. First and foremost, above all other human relationships, everything that clamors for your attention, you've got to give your whole self to God. And if you haven't done that yet, I just encourage you to consider doing that today. You were designed to give your whole self to God. I give you thanks with my whole heart, my whole identity. It's not just inviting God into a small place in your life. It's not just saying a sinner's prayer one time. It's I give you my whole self, my whole heart, to you, God. You, you are who I was created for, and you can make me healthy for all my other human relationships that I have, right? That's, that's what David is giving us here. God is the one who defines our life. He defines our passions, right? We, it doesn't start with us, what our heart feels. That's where a lot of human stuff starts, how I feel today or what I feel like doing in my life. No, we give our heart to God and God refines our hearts. He refines our feelings. And that's why a lot of our world is so lost today. They're starting with their heart and trying to get what, to what's true. And we need to give our heart to what's true. And then the one who is true will redefine our heart. And, you know, for those young adults and others who are growing up in a world that is telling them, you know, your heart tells you what's true, we need to tell them that's exactly backwards. God is what's true. And then he will tell your heart what is true. So you've got to give your heart to him in relationship, in surrender. Learn his ways through his word, right? And it's vulnerable. It's going to mean correction. It's going to mean learning things and doing things different than the world does them, right? But I believe fully, and I think David experienced that, that the deepest joy available for us as humans is in this security, this vulnerability of giving ourselves to God. This is where we have joy unshakable, joy undefeatable that, that cannot be stolen by any human experience because we are so secure in God, right? We know he's our author, our savior, our guide, and no one, nothing can take that from us. And so David says, no matter the troubles, right? No matter the troubles. Though I walk through the midst of trouble, I need not fear. This is the same David who says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Your rod and your staff, they, they comfort me. They protect me. You are my great shepherd, right? David says, and then Jesus comes and says, I am the great shepherd. And Jesus says, though you will have troubles, take heart. I have overcome this world of troubles. So no matter the troubles, we give thanks because the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. It never comes to an end. His mercies are new every morning, new every morning. He loves you every day. No matter what happened, God is never going to stop. It's real. It's why you were created. You were created to be loved. And now, if you know that and experience that, he's wanting you to share that with others. You see, the Lord has purpose for you. The world... It's going to beat you down. There's, there's things that's going to come in this life, but I want you to know that the, the word of God tells us this over and over again that the Lord has purpose for you. You say, oh, I don't know if I have purpose because now I'm weaker than I used to be or I don't have the, the same relationship that I used to be or I don't have the job that I used to be or I'm not in good, as good at school as I used to be. None of that matters. The worldly definitions do not matter. 
What matters is that God created you for a purpose. You exist because God wants you to exist. He wants relationship with you. He wants your unique expression of his creativity out there in in life. He has purpose for you. And and this, this verse, David says, is deep. He says, the Lord will fulfill his purpose for you. He will fulfill it. And again, where does it start with? It starts with him. It's his purpose. It's not us finding it, you know. That's, that's what a lot of people think. You've got to find the meaning of life. or find. No. The Lord has a purpose for you. And he, if we trust ourselves to him, if we yield to him, surrender our lives to him, start a relationship with him, learn in his word, walk in his ways, we are going to experience his steadfast love and we're going to find that he can use us. He's going to use each of us differently. Each of us is going to have a unique story, a unique set of experiences, different gifts, different combinations of your personality, gifts and experiences that no one else in the history of humanity is ever going to have again. You are unique in that way. And you will be able to bless somebody this week that I will not be able to bless, right? And vice versa. And we have to lean into this amazing way that God has made us. God is this faithful, faithful God, his faithful love. As he said in Philippians 1.6, the Lord is faithful to complete the work he started, right? I'm sure of this, Paul said. Right? You know, he's in, I think he's in jail when he writes this, imprisoned at least. And he says that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Certain. I'm sure, and it will happen. If he started it, He's the faithful God who's going to complete it, right? We might leave things undone, but that's not how God goes, right? So lean into that. You might be disappointed in yourself this week at something. You might be disappointed in life at something. Hey, just lean into this. Your story is still being written by God. If you're still breathing, he's not done, right? If you're still here, he's not done. He's got something for you. He has deep purpose for you available in your life, right? The way the Christians have called it over the years, we call it vocation. It's the same root word for voice in our life, vocal vocation. How we give voice to God's goodness into this world. How we sing the goodness of God into the universe through our unique life, through our unique vocal cords, our unique experiences, You are deeply and profoundly loved like no other person has been exactly, although we're all loved equally by God, but but you can express that in your life. The enduring love of God. The enduring love of God is where we want to end up here today. Your steadfast love, David says, your steadfast love endures forever. Next slide. Your steadfast love endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. How enduring is God's love for you? Is it based on your performance, how well you do or something? No, it's not. It's based on God's commitment. It endures forever. And forever is not just a long time. It's forever, right? It's unending. The the Lord's love for you, I want you to hear this, will never die. It's stronger than death. It will never end. The Lord's love for you will never tire. David then says, but do not forsake the work of your hands. And it's kind of weird that it 
it ends there, but do not forsake the work of your hands after. Because David's like us. It's like, God, I'm the work of your hands. And he ends with this prayer, don't forsake me. Just keep remembering I'm your work, God. A work in progress. It's okay to pray that way. Your honest prayer is like, God, your enduring love's forever. You're working on me. Don't give up on me. That's what David's saying at the end. Your love will always be enough. Don't give up on me. Don't give up on me, God. You are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, and he is going to to do good works in you. You can read that in Ephesians 2.10. He's created in advance this week. If you choose to live into them, good works for you to do, Ephesians 2.10 says you're his craftsmanship workmanship Jesus didn't stop being a carpenter when he started his ministry he continues it through us you are his workmanship he will not forsake the work of his hands that's you Lord God may we give thanks always for your faithful love that you have given us deep purpose that you have given us the meaning to our life. And we, if we are in you, we will always be unforsaken. (sighs) Help us to rest in in that truth in you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.